Well, God is good all the time. I'm grateful. Thank you so much. Give him a hand over here. That's a whole, a whole lot of playing. You know, um, the message is watch out for temptation. So that's kind of what the vein of the message is. I, I watched a video. I didn't get it in time to be able to see it of two, two men at Sonic's drive-thru. And one, of course, had got just water. But the other one had, had ordered a great big old bacon cheeseburger and some hot tater tots and a cookies and cream milkshake. And the one who had the hamburger turned to the other one and said, you know what, this is probably the best bacon cheeseburger I've ever had in my life. Sonic is really, they've outdone themselves. And I, I can't tell you how good it is. And he said, and, and you know, I've been eating on this burger for 30 minutes now, and I still have plenty of burger left. And he said, and these hot tater tots. The guy said, you know what, Satan, you get behind me with that bacon cheeseburger. Tater tots, don't you try to control me. I rebuke you. I declare that you'll have no place in me whatsoever. And the guy reached down and got his cookies and cream milkshake. And he said, how about this? Why don't you tell it to get behind you? He said, I will. Get that milkshake away from me right now. I am standing strong. I have tried to stand before and I have failed. I've fallen, but not this time. I'm not going to fail. The video paused for about 10 seconds. The man who just had water reached all the way across the driver, pushed the reorder button and said to the server, we're going to add more to our order now, if you don't mind. The guy said, what happened? He said, you tempted me, and I'm about to fail again. You say, well, boy, you know, life is often like that. We make our mind up not to be tempted. And let me get into some of the challenges that we face. You see, temptation is the message, and we've all been tempted in one way or the other. If you believe that, so be it. It is. I agree. You see, it makes no difference who you are, whether you're a rank sinner, you don't know God, or even if you're a saint. And oh, it's sweet Jesus. You still are going to face temptation. Why? Because temptation is no respecter of persons. How many of you know someone that's been tempted before. May I see your hand? That's good. How many of you are seated close to somebody that's been tempted before? There you go. We know that. You see, temptation means this. It is this. It is to entice to do wrong by promise of pleasure again. Promise of pleasure again. That's temptation and we know that there are detrimental effects as it relates to temptation. Now, all of you online, listen up, okay? If you're sitting there eating that pizza right now, enjoying this message, don't be tempted to get up and leave. Watch the television. James is that guy who makes no bones about what he believes and what he says. He is the brother of Jesus, and he realizes that he's sharing instruction to this early church. He believes he was somewhat of a patrol. 
He warned them and he would often go after them and, and say, don't do that. And he didn't say it often in a nice way. But he realized this early church was under pressure. He realized that they were being ridiculed by those that were non-Christians, by Jews, by Gentiles. And he knew that they were standing and giving their best effort. And he said, listen, don't be tempted. He was challenged. They were challenged because of their belief. You know, why don't you just, uh, you can be that Christian and, and you can also, you can also be um, a Jew and practice some of the ritualic, uh, ritualistic uh, routines of being a Jew as well. And so that was the case. He said, I know that some of you are tempted to just turn around and fall back and go back from whence you came. You didn't realize that, that making Jesus the Lord of your life would cost you so much and create so much confusion. I mean, the life that you had before you ventured out and declared Jesus to be your Savior and you're going to follow his guidelines, you didn't know what kind of sacrifice it would be. And here's what he says. Now listen up, guys. Blessed, favor, happy is what it means, is the man who endures temptation. For when he is tried, and you will be, he will receive a crown of life. It is the promise of God to those who love him. None of us can escape the initial fact of temptation. It says that we will not be able to say no temptation here. I've never been tempted in my life. James knew that temptation is a part of life. As a matter of fact, he wrote in verse number 14 of James chapter 1 this, each one is tempted, is tempted. You are tempted. So here we are, saints. Here we are, believers. Here we are, some of you unbelievers, and temptation is going to be there. You see, Satan's tool is temptation to bring us into sin. That's his goal. I'll tempt you. You know, and it's usually visible. You can see temptation with often with your eye. You can experience it with your mind. You can experience it in your imagination. And here's what it does. Often temptation appeals to your weakness or it appeals to the sensual senses of a human being. So we know, wow, look what goes on just in commercials on television these days. Think, my Lord, how mercy. Unbelievable. It appeals to that sensual, that sensual sense. Well, here's what we know. Eve, when she was tempted in Genesis 3, it says, when the woman, that was Eve, saw, say saw, saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye. Wow. She said, I, I got to have some of that. Somebody around here needs to taste test it. And Adam comes along and she says, here it is. This is what I have prepared. Some of the best you'll ever eat. Sweet, sweet, sweet. And Adam took it and he ate it. David, another sense. Bathsheba, David is bored because he's distanced himself from the passion with God. 
And when you do that, he got bored. He got up and went on to the rooftop in the patio area, walking around. He noticed that on the roof of the palace that there was an absolutely beautiful woman. It says he saw a woman bathing and the woman was very beautiful. And what did David do at that moment? The enemy moved in and began to tempt David to say, eventually, what about tomorrow night? Will she be out there? Lot, the Bible says that Lot in Genesis 13, Lot looked up, he's seeing again, and saw that the whole plain of Jordan was well watered. This was before Sodom and Gomorrah. And Lot said, hey, this is the best. This is the garden of the Lord. It's exactly what I want. Ask Noah the questions. I'm just attracted. I'm attracted. Look, look at the fertile fields that are here. And sure enough, what he didn't count on, it was a cesspool of sin. Even Jesus. Jesus was tempted. Do you remember in Matthew 4, 8 and 9? It says the devil took him to a very high mountain. And notice what it says. And showed him he saw all the kingdoms. And he said, hey, I want you to know that all these kingdoms I will give to you if you bow down and worship me. Now, in all three or four of those areas, friend, all three or four of them, any one of us in this room may be susceptible to any one of them. But to say, never me, I've never been tempted, that's not what the Bible says. We are to accept the fact that temptation does come. It does come. But we are told to do what? To endure. To endure. So if you right now are practicing in a circumstance that is temptation in a circumstance that will drive you down, here's what God is saying to you. Endure until you get past that. In other words, he says, get a grip on yourself. Resist. Stand strong. We usually have a split second to resist, don't we? Temptation will nail us when we fail to resist here's what he says in your heart and in your mind when you fail to resist then the seed is planted in our heart David could never take back what he saw when he looked over and saw Bathsheba Adam could never take back that first bite of the fruit he was told not to partake of we know that Lot could never take back walking there to the fertile field instead of being obedient to God. Unusual. Satan will certainly nurture. He'll nurture those things when it's planted in our heart and planted in our passion and planted in our imagination and planted in our spirit. That's where temptation will reside, hiding in the shadows of our mind and our spirit in that imagination. You stir that imagination, Satan will nurture it. You may be tempted to look, but if you stare, one lady said, I heard her say it one time, hey, my husband, I know that he's going to look. I give him permission to close one eye and look, but he better never stare. 
How funny is that? You know, you may never stare. Well, you say, Pastor, are you saying that? You just, you just never look? That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that probably is not going to be possible. That's why he says, but endure the temptation. Get a grip. You may be tempted to look, but if you stare, you're going to need to deal with the evil thought and the intent right then of the enemy. 2 Peter 3.17 says, Therefore, dear friends, since you already know this, be on guard so that you may not be carried away by the air of lawless men and fall, get this, fall from your secure position. There's nothing like a position of holiness. Nothing like a position that the young man in the car at Sonic could have said, no, I'm not doing it. There's nothing like a secure position that you're holding on and standing firm in the power and the presence of God. But the minute, the second, that you do not hold that position, the enemy will go to work. Here's something else. Therefore, dear friends, be on your guard. That's what he says. Then he says about temptation, temptation, I tasted it. Say that with me. Temptation, I tasted it. Have you ever tasted temptation? Yeah. What did it taste like? Oh, it's so good, so sweet, so wonderful. James 1.14, but each one is tempted when by his own evil desire he is dragged away and enticed. There you have it. You took one more look than you should have. David probably showed up the next night to see if he could see Bathsheba. There was more fruit that Adam, no doubt, and Eve as well. What a wonderful place, Lot said. But it says when you're dragged away, dragged away and enticed because of your own evil desire. Whatsoever is pure, true, honest, and of good report, think on these things. Temptation, I tasted it. James is careful to write, we are never tempted by God. Never. You're never tempted by God. God cannot be tempted. Not only that, therefore God will not tempt. Any temptation that comes is not from the Lord. God is holy, he's pure, and he stands firm for you. But all temptation, say all temptation, all temptation comes from the devil, comes from evil. You see, friend, when we are tempted and we allow the seed of that temptation to be planted, we are drawn away then by our lust. Lust, a little four-letter word, lust. Lust, drawn away by our lust. Lust may be weak, but as it plays with your mind and your imagination, lust begins to grow. If lust is not dealt with harshly, 
by the power of Jesus Christ, my friend, it will win. Lust is an unrestrained, intense desire for pleasure or evil fulfillment. Lust. And you have to be careful. There are a lot of good things that you can lust for. Lust, unrestrained, intense desire for pleasure. Here are the the steps that get you there. Everybody still with me out there? Those of you online, y'all still with me? That's, That's good. You see, here are the steps. It's a look or a thought. Now, what do you think if you're just Cadillacing along in your day and you decided to get on Facebook or get on some site that shows you things that creates a lust in your spirit? You say, well, I know you're talking to the men, not what I read. It's a men and a women. It is a young person today, young people today filled with more lust and challenges than we can imagine. And when that happens, it's a look or a thought, then a seed is planted in the heart. Lust is created, and here's what lust does. It thirsts. It thirsts. It centers and creates a fantasy. It demands attention. Lust says, water me, fulfill me, nurture me. It compromises the law of God. The law of God, this once doesn't matter. It excuses good godly judgment. Look where it got you when you did behave. Look where it got you when you were straight-laced, when you were pure and holy. Where, Where did that get you? It creates good godly judgment or excuses good and godly judgment. It creates steps for total fulfillment. The devil will pave a way. We all know what we're talking about. He will pave the way for the fulfillment of that lust. And it separates itself from those in opposition. When a person is on a track to fulfill an ungodly act, often that person will forsake and hide from his friends or her friends that represent godliness, that represent the church because lust is the driving force. Remember, it tastes good. So my friends that I used to hang with, I don't hang with them anymore. And it appears to be holy because it says the devil can look like an angel of light. It appears to be holy by action or deed. I've told you often at least several times of the man in my first church who was having Bible study at this lady's home. Her husband was in the military. And when I talked to him about it, his car was there at midnight at one o'clock in the morning. Oh, pastor, you just don't understand. When I'm with her and we get that Bible out, I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit, the Shekinah glory of God comes down like I've never felt before. I said, that's not what you're feeling. But I said, I'll tell you what you are going to feel. If her husband comes home without her knowledge and comes in and you're there, 
you'll find that it was not the Shekinah glory. You're going to be in a lot of trouble. You know what? He didn't pay any attention. I told him again and again. And he didn't pay any attention. And ultimately, judgment came. You see, lust can hide for only so long before it becomes visible and can be fulfilled. So, Pastor, are you ready to move on with the message? You know, it's a little bit uncomfortable. And I know some of you are just as holy as holy could be. You've never had any kind of these problems. Well, it never starts out headed to that act of compromise and sin through the power of lust. It never starts out to be destructive, but to be pleasurable. Eve's appetite was filled and Adam even ate of the fruit. Lot stayed in Sodom and for years. And David had an exciting encounter finally with Bathsheba. He had the authority, fetch her for me. Proverbs 1.10 says, my son, if sinners entice you, do not give in to them. Don't give in to them. From time to time, the ladies here will go on diets. We're doing this, and you can always know when you come in on Monday morning and open the fridge up, and you see all their rabbit food (laughs) in the refrigerator. You see all of that. And I have been known to be the devil by some of them. And what do you do, Pastor? It's hard to deny a donut when it's dropped by your office, especially just for you. Pastor, you're the devil. You're, you're enticing us to have a donut. I understand that. You know, I'm not going to have one. I'm proud of you. This is a test. Then I go to the next one. And the next one will say, I'll eat half. (laughs) And then I'll go to the next one. And they will say, I might as well get it out of the way because you're not going to stop. You see, the enemy often does things like that. The closer you get to God, the more committed you are in your walk with Jesus the greater the devil will do his best to tempt you. For he does not desire for you to be able to win. And sinners entice. James knew that if you taste the temptation, then you're going to fight a serious, serious battle in order to defeat that thing before it destroys you. And so listen to this statement. No temptation excited by pleasure started out with evil intent. But when it is tasted, it's the kiss of death, except by God's grace. I'm so glad of God's grace. How about you? I'm so glad God has given us his favor and his grace. Finally, 
temptation. I died because of it. James 1.15, then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin and sin when it is full grown gives birth to what? Death. Notice carefully that it is a step-by-step process for that sin to grow. So James states an absolute past with no options once that sin is not dealt with, confessed, brought to Jesus. He declares that once temptation is seeded and nurtured to maturity, it will bring disappointment, death, and destruction. Look what happened to Adam and Eve. Look what happened to David. Look what happened to Lot. You see, James then says, do not be deceived, my dear brothers. I'm telling you what will happen, but he says, don't be deceived. There is, there is soberness in that truth. It means that in your hand, as an individual believer, as a person, my friend, in your hand is the ability to say, I will not allow this to invade my life. I will stand strong by the grace of God. When we live in a society today that is tolerant of loose moral values, when we live in a climate of poor principles and compromising behavior, of compromising scriptural standards, and we live in a society that promotes the breakdown of family values and sexual misbehavior and ample opportunities to break God's laws. What do you expect someone said to me today, Pastor? They're only teenagers. Well, you've never seen maybe some of the teenagers that I've seen that's on fire for Jesus Christ under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Sinning is the farthest thing from their mind. They want everything that God has. Can you say amen? By the grace of God, temptation is everywhere. And to fall into temptation is easily accepted by the culture around you. Where you work, what you see in news media, and the church, unfortunately, is lowering its standard. For some pulpits would never preach a message like this. Why? Because we don't want to upset people. I don't either. I don't do the upsetting but I know conviction does. Amen? So we lay it at your feet. James said, if you do, if you just do it and disregard the things of God, it will bring uncomfortable circumstances. Has the potential. Paul writes in Romans 6.13, do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness. The best way not to offer your body and the parts of your body 
for the use of the enemy is engage it in the use for the kingdom of God. Keep it busy for that. You see, don't yield to unrighteousness. Don't yield to spiritual compromise. Yield to God. And then Paul writes, Ephesians 6, 13, therefore put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you might be able to stand your ground after you have done everything to stand. Use the armor of God, he says. It will protect you. It will establish and sustain you. So we know that, okay, temptation is there. We're all tempted. We know that. But God says, I have a plan to help you through it. But it's not all God and supernatural. You will have to assume your own responsibility for forward progress. So he writes in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, no temptation has seized you except what is common to men. And God is what? He will what? Not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way, what? Out. So that you can stand up under it. You stand up under it. You can beat every temptation if you simply trust Almighty God. I have a lot of people that come in my office and they tell me often about their struggles and about their challenges. And many of them will weep and say, I struggle with this, I struggle with this behavior. I struggle with these thoughts. Pastor, I'm coming just to ask you to anoint me and to pray. I want God to give me strength to overcome. And there are some that are battling battles right now that are hard, hard, hard to fight. That's why the Bible says that we're to pray for one another, to lift one another up in prayer. For you never know what a brother or sister is going through. You never know the conflict. You never know the lives of the enemy. You never know the challenges. That's why it's important. That's why it's important to pay attention to your own life and your own spirit. And don't allow the enemy to get a way in that will bring destruction to you. Would you stand, Heavenly Father? I come before you tonight and I thank you I praise your name. I exalt your name. I pray for those that are at home tonight. You know, we're tempted in a lot of different ways. So many different ways we think often what we're tempted as it relates and has to do with immoral behavior. But there's more, more to this temptation than moral behavior. There's so many areas in our lives that we need to get a grip on. So many. And I doubt any one of us in this room is ever not fighting some struggle or some temptation or some lie. We know that's true, but we will not be victims. We're not going to let that struggle just belong to us. We're going to seek your face, Lord. 
You said if we put on the whole arm of God, it would help us. You said if we come to you and, and ask you in the midst of a fight of all fights, you'll reach down and give us guidance and wisdom. I pray for many tonight who are struggling. I pray for many, Father, that the enemy's staring them in the face. I'm praying for many who failed. And now the enemy is trying to trash them and think they'll never be any good. Well, that's not true. For David became the great king of the greatest of kings, even after his failure. God, we know in the name of Jesus, you're on our side. So right now, we are going to believe you. I'm going to ask all of you here and at home to repeat this prayer after me. Would you do that right now? Can we pray? Pray it after me. Dear Heavenly Father, Dear Heavenly Father I thank you for Jesus Christ. Thank you for Jesus Lord, Christ. Jesus, Lord Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me. I, have fallen. I have fallen. I have failed. I have I've made mistakes, but I confess right now, I believe in the power of the blood to redeem me from my failures and to give me the courage to get up and believe I am forgiven by the grace of God. I claim this prayer as my own and I give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's believe God. Put your hands together and let's thank God. Can we do that? We trust you, Lord. I pray. Uh, Do not allow the enemy to condemn you because of your failure. God has said to you that he does not condemn you and does not desire for you to continue to walk with shame, but desires that you rise up and declare your victory and trust that the blood which was shed is powerful enough to keep you safe. Remember that I hold you in the palm of my hand and that no weapon, whether it's carnal or spiritual, will be able to come against you and cause you to stumble. Lift up your heart. Lift up your spirit and lean on me as I bring healing and new anointing into your life. Thank you, Jesus. We praise you. Can we just pray out loud, right? Just so, Father, we do thank you. We believe in your word. We believe that you have something to say. We thank you because we know that we don't have to walk around with shame, that there is forgiveness and power and there is anointing. Holy Spirit of God, how marvelous you are strengthen us and guide us and God we believe you it is not by might or not by power thank you for letting us be here tonight God give us another just give us another level of spiritual expectancy and we'll declare it and we believe you for it in the name of Jesus and everybody said amen I love you everybody God bless you for being here <laughs>